0: to laugh at your own self, at your own uh, mistakes. It's a call to be free, mm-hmm. not to be free in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's a profession of faith that uh, I am not the savior of the world. <laughs> uh, so I don't need a grim face. <laughs> uh, I, 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 could, I could laugh at my own mistakes. I could, I take Jesus seriously, but take myself and other things lightly. Mm-hmm.
1: Welcome to another episode of Leadership Conversations with Nikki Gumbel. Today we are digging into the Leadership Conference archives to share Nikki's conversation with Cardinal Tagley. This interview happens to be one of my personal favorites from all the leadership conferences I've attended in London, and I can't wait for you to hear it. I'll hand it off to Nikki to introduce Cardinal Tagley.
2: I've had the privilege of interviewing many wonderful leaders over the years at our Leadership Conference at the Royal Albert Hall in London. One of those that I remember most fondly was my conversation with Cardinal Luis Antonio Tagle in 2017, where we both laughed and cried together. At that point, Cardinal Tagle was Archbishop of Manila in the Philippines, where there are about 82 million Catholics. In December 2019, Pope Francis named Cardinal Tagle Prefect of the Congregation for the Evangelization of Peoples at the Vatican. So he's now in Rome, where he recently joined Pope Francis for a mass to celebrate 500 years of Christianity in the Philippines. Colonel Tagle is also president of Caritas International, the Catholic Relief Organization, the largest charity in the world, and president of the Catholic Biblical Federation. And in January 2015, he hosted Pope Francis' visit to the Philippines, which included the fourth largest ever gathering of people. In history. Pippa and I first met Cardinal Tagler in Rome and were instantly struck by his humility and his deep love for Jesus. We loved having him with us at the Leadership Conference and many people wrote to us afterwards to say that this interview was a highlight of that conference for them. I hope you enjoy it too. And we'd love to invite you to join us at this year's Leadership Conference – It will take place online, for free, with translation into 12 languages on Tuesday the 4th of May and repeated on Wednesday the 5th of May. I'm very excited about interviewing Francis Collins, one of the world's leading scientists, who is playing a critical role in the fight against COVID, as well as Heidi Kwa, a 26-year-old human rights activist who founded a charity called Refuge for the Refugees, advocating for the rights of refugees in Malaysia and was named Young Leader of the Year by Queen Elizabeth II. I will also be interviewing Rick and Kate Warren live and rapper, writer and broadcaster Isaac Borkway, Governor B. And Pippa and I will share some thoughts as well. Please do book your ticket and join us there. We feel so honoured to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you, thank you,
0: thanks. (laughs) Mabuhai from the
2: Philippines. (laughs) Thank you, Vicky, for having me here. Oh, no, I I just so look forward to this since we met in Rome. I've just, with such anticipation of you coming here. And uh, this this event which you hosted with Pope Francis, we have 6,000 people at this conference on the three different sites. That has taken a little bit of organization. (laughs) You hosted an event (laughs) with a 1,000 times as many as 6 million people. How how do you organize an event with six million people? Yeah, that's a good question.
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, Well, we did not set a goal for ourselves like we want to gather six million or five million, no. We just left it to God, to the Holy Spirit, and to the people. But looking back, I think, First of all, a vision, a compelling vision really helped us organize the people. They knew that the Holy Father was coming on the mission of mercy and compassion to show his personal and the church's closeness, especially to those who had survived the terrible typhoon. No, that hit the Philippines. And so that that vision of communion, of mercy, of remembering those who are suffering, I guess that sparked something in the hearts of people. Mm. And uh, yes, of course there were There were uh, committees, there was a lot of fundraising too, there was a lot of negotiation with government uh, offices, with uh, non-governmental offices. But in the end, it was the beauty of this visit that captivated the imagination of the people. And we asked the uh, Vatican security, at the end of the closing ceremonies, we asked them, how many people were there for the closing mass? They said, six million. Mm. And uh, we whispered to the Holy Father. Holy Father, six million people attended the mass. And he asked me, did you include, did you count in the people who were not able to go to the venue, but who stood on the roads, we said no. We said you should include them <laughs> because they also came. No, if we had included them, that would be
2: another three million. Wow. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. So, uh... and, and and I know that you 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 had to you had five thousand people handing out communion, but but the security that was uh, uh, just explain how many people were involved in the security.
0: Oh, <laughs> Wait, uh <laughs> I don't think I will be violating uh, secrets, <laughs> or, uh, intelligence. <laughs> but uh, uh, the security, not only of the Holy Father, but of the, the, of the people who would come to the event was uh, a concern of the Philippine government, the military, the police, also the Vatican security. But they had to coordinate with the church. At one point, with all the plans for a very stringent type of security approach, uh, those of us bishops and priests Attending the meeting told them There is no point bringing the Holy Father To the Philippines and, But yet preventing people From seeing him From coming close to him Or he seeing people uh, So we said Let the people Protect the Pope now, Yes We count on the police We count on the military Let the people protect the Pope So we asked the parishes along the route of the Pope's uh, procession or or, uh, journey to send in uh, volunteers who could be trained by the police so that they could uh, uh, protect the whole event. I, I was surprised because Uh, I was was not able to verify it, but they told me around 50,000 people volunteered,
2: you know, (laughs) secured the Holy Father. You had 50,000 people involved in the security. The security alone. is absolutely amazing. And 5,000
0: to give out Mm. Holy Communion, in the closing mass.
2: Amazing. So,
0: um, yeah, amazing. It is, <laughs> it is amazing. Ama- <laughs> and then,
2: and then, then I'm, just, I'm just to touch on, because you know, this, is, this is a conference about leadership. I'm just, uh, I, I'm sad about what the things that you have to leave because you have 82 million Catholics, and, and uh, what, 65% attend church?
0: Yeah, maybe not always on a Sunday, but uh, <laughs> and yes. And
2: once or twice a once, month. Once or twice a month, yeah. yes. So, and then you have, um, and then you're president of uh, Caritas, which is the largest um, NGO, the largest charity in the world. I mean, how, how do you lead something that is at that scale?
0: Ah. Uh, I have to make a confession to you.
2: Ah. Uh, <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't taken a confession from the cardinal before. I mean, how do I prepare for that? But, but I
0: authorize you to absolve me. <laughs> <laughs> I absolve you. <No>, no. <laughs>
3: uh,
0: wait, what was your question? <laughs> uh, uh, no, no. Uh, you know, this has happened a number of times to me. Somebody invites me and I... I get convinced of the, of the importance of, of the invitation and I say yes. <laughs> and then the event comes and I say, why did I say yes? <laughs> oh, I, hope, I hope you're yeah. not feeling that <laughs> you. You way. Know, uh, since last night, I've been reflecting on this and I said, why was I invited to a leadership conference when I find it difficult to consider myself a leader? Uh, yes, I, I, I am. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I think that's part of my. I don't know my insecurity or what. I, I really do not have a self-image as a leader, and so when I was elected president of Caritas International and Carit and the Catholic Biblical Federation, and in both cases, I was not even in the meetings. <laughs> uh, I, was, I was elected in absentia. Yeah. Well, so people tell me, you see, you should attend meetings so that you will not be elected. But I said, I had no right to, to attend those two meetings because I was not the official delegate of the Philippines mm-hmm. to those two organizations. Yeah. So, uh, so what were they looking for? They were looking for someone who who knew nothing about those uh, those organizations. And uh, I think that is an important element of leadership, especially of of these worldwide federations. The the Caritas International is a a federation of uh, national. Caritas Organizations, uh, and uh, each national Caritas Organization is the official charity service arm of the Catholic Bishops' Conference of a particular country. So the federation is uh, composed of the members authorized by their respective Episcopal or Bishops' Conferences. Mm. And the, uh, the work of Caritas is to really to respond in charity mm. to every humanitarian crisis. And Caritas serves not only Catholics. You are in need, then you fall within the ambit of the love and service of Caritas. Mm. Then the the Biblical Federation uh, was started after the Second Vatican Council. Its main objective then was to provide translations of the Word of God to people so that there will be easy access to the Word of God. But it has since evolved so now uh, organizations related to biblical animation uh, are members of this federation. Uh, there are more than 300 member uh, organizations coming from 126 countries. So you're asking me how I manage, I, I don't even try. <laughs> I don't even try to manage, I, I, I get crazy, you know. But confederation, uh, as confederations, they are supposed to live out the spirit of communion, Mm. mutuality, learning from one another, and uh, sharing of gifts. Mm. So I I just try to facilitate that. Mm. And there are people who are more uh, knowledgeable about the management, administrative areas. So I go to different countries I smile, I try to build bridges, I try to offer projects, and uh, yeah. Uh, Is that a satisfactory answer?
2: (laughs) That's a wonderful answer. That's a wonderful answer. (laughs) (laughs) You, uh, you, You smile a lot and you laugh a lot, and you have a reputation for making the Pope laugh. You, you, in your meetings with him, because you're very close, you, you know, with all the meetings that you have. Yeah. Um, say a little bit about laughter, because that's a very important part of your ministry, isn't it? It's <laughs> to me anyway. We've laughed so much together.
0: Yeah. Uh, I have not developed a theology of laughter, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 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 but for me. Uh, it, it is part of uh, what I would call in a more generic sense, uh, what I would call spirituality, mm. living in the spirit. Uh, a sense of humor, a capacity to smile, a capacity to laugh, to laugh at your own self, at your own uh, mistakes, or it's a call to, to be free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be free in the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, it's a profession of faith that uh, I, I am not the savior of the world. <laughs> uh, so I don't need a grim face. Uh, I, 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 could, I could laugh at my own mistakes. I could, I could take things seriously. I take Jesus seriously but take myself and other things lightly.
3: Mm.
0: It is mm. a profession of faith for mm. me. Mm. And, uh, mm. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, I discovered that in the Philippines, including myself, we smile a lot, we laugh a lot, because we cry
3: a lot. Mm. Mm.
0: People who have suffered know how to smile. Mm. Those who...
3: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I, th- I think one of the things that I mean you, you have a huge amount of res- responsibility, but you wear it so lightly. And um, one of the things I think we all want to know about is how, what are the spiritual disciplines that you have in your life to enable you to 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 to, 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 to wear these things so lightly? Ah
0: Now, this is not confession
2: anymore. <laughs> this is not
0: <laughs> spiritual. Uh, may 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 I wipe mine?
2: <laughs> yes, I would like to wipe mine too.
3: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, uh, uh,
0: uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I I I'm sharing this. Uh, uh, not because I, I want to present myself as a model in uh, the spiritual life, but uh, since you're asking, I might as well share. Uh, <laughs> I, I make sure that every day I spend the early part of the morning you know, uh, in prayer, and especially the meditation and the word of God. I use the readings prescribed for the liturgy of the uh, Catholic, uh, the mass. And if I know that I have an an appointment early in the morning, I try to wake up earlier Mm. (laughs) so that I could have at least a full hour for such uh, meditation, mm. I don't always get insights. The Holy Spirit talks to you daily, huh?
2: No, no, no. No, I no. no. Ah. no. no. Um Holy Spirit. Ah. Ah. You caught me out. No, definitely not. Ah. I pray daily that He will. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But as I advance in age. <laughs>
2: You're the second youngest cardinal, aren't you?
0: Not anymore.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but as I advance in age, I, I, I'm getting less and less of those insights. Hmm. Uh, my prayer is just being there
3: hmm. yeah.
0: with the Lord. And just allowing myself to be there. Hmm and just letting God know that I am there, Mm. that I believe that He is there even if I don't get anything. Mm. But for me, it is important. It it teaches me to be open. Mm. For in the end, prayer is not just about insights, but it's the openness of the person to God, and the openness of the person to the others and of course the daily Eucharist. Mm. But I have learned from my, my seminary mentors, who were Jesuit priests, to do
2: the examination of consciousness. And explain how that works,
3: mm-hmm.
2: for those of us who yeah. haven't the benefit of...
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, when we talk about consciousness, that means, the, uh, the inner movements, they may be thoughts, feelings, desires that came to me or that uh, were generated in me. So I, and, uh, and part of the examination is to look through, like, uh, from your waking hours up to lunchtime. Mm. What were the movements? in your mind, in your heart that came during those hours. And try to recall, how did they start? And if you cannot even identify what was the starting point or the cause, you ask also, where would that movement lead you? If you pursue that movement, will it lead you? To the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Mm. (laughs) Kindness, patience, love. Or will it lead you to the ways of the world? Mm. And so you, in a way, discern. Mm. How is the Spirit working in you? And how is the enemy also working in you? Mm. And having been forewarned, by that type of examine, then hopefully by the second half of the day, you are already vigilant. When those same movements come, you say, aha, aha, <laughs> this will lead me to revenge. Mm. If I follow this move. Mm. Aha, this will lead me to patience, so I will follow this.
3: Mm.
0: So uh, uh, I, 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 I try my best to do it twice a day. Mm. One at midday before lunch, so that I could review the morning and the other one before going to bed, mm-hmm. so that I could review the afternoon. It has helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. It has helped me a lot to get, to get to know myself and also to see how the various movements you know, are at work and are even at a, Are struggling in the battlefield of of myself. Mm -hmm. Sounds
2: boring. No, it does not sound boring. (laughs) No, I think it's immensely challenging. I find it personally immensely challenging. Tell me, what what is the hardest thing about your job? Oh... (laughs)
0: Again, another confession. <laughs> uh, I don't know whether this is a difficulty or a fault on my part. I, I ask God to forgive me uh, because one of the hardest things is that I think I have not fully accepted the fact that I am a bishop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now that I am a cardinal, I, it, it's a, uh, again it's, it was not part of my my dreams, you know, not part of my self uh, image. I I, I, I I continue struggling with that, and I ask pardon of the Lord for <laughs> for maybe disobedience or. In gratitude for uh, not receiving this gift fully. Uh, but but I, 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 I try to abandon myself and to accept, to accept, yes, I think you know what you are doing, Lord. Uh, <laughs> I think you know whom you are calling. Uh, I have nothing to boast of. You know, I don't know how to become a bishop. Uh, yeah, so this is just pure faith for me. Mm. And so if there is, if I could call it a difficulty, a struggle, it is a struggle in faith, mm. accepting that God is putting His trust in a person like me. Mm. But uh, other things, you know, that... Uh, uh, I find uh, also quite interiorly burdensome is people come bearing their burdens, their concerns, with the families and the, the young people with their confusions and um, mm-hmm. And I have this notion of being a leader as a problem solver, you mm-hmm. know. You come with a problem to me and I feel compelled to <laughs> provide a solution. And I get frustrated because I, I, I don't find solutions. Mm-hmm. You know. But I've learned lessons from that too. That very often people come to us not with problems, And so our approach is wrong because we're trying to look for solutions, but solutions are for problems. But many people don't have problems, they have dilemmas. Mm. And dilemmas don't have solutions. Mm then I am at peace. (laughs) 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 Why are you burdening yourself with finding a solution when there is no solution to a dilemma? A dilemma is a problem that does not disappear. Mm. It's even part of a mystery. When I was younger, there was this movie, The Sound of Music, Mm -hmm. you know? And uh, the, the mother superior of the convent asked, how do you solve a problem like Maria?
2: Is Pippa a problem? <laughs> no, certainly not. Is she a mystery? Uh, sometimes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Now, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's, that's not part of the script, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but I get liberated and I say, "Ah, oh, you're punishing yourself, looking for solutions when you, before you is not a problem that could be responded to with a solution. Before you is a dilemma. And I've learned from people who have, have faced dilemmas that when you are before a dilemma, you don't look for a solution. Mm-hmm. You look for meaning and try to help people in the dilemma to survive, to float
3: Mm.
0: when they find meaning. Mm. But meaning is conveyed not through theories, but through stories, through narrative. You tell stories. So for me, a leader should be a storyteller. But how, but again, how can you tell stories if you do not listen mm-hmm. to the stories of other people, if you don't listen to the stories of Jesus, mm-hmm. if you don't listen to the stories of the Spirit at work in your life?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a pain, painful experience. you want to help with the solution, and you feel helpless.) Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when Pope Francis visited the Philippines, he had an encounter with the youth, and there were some representatives of the young people who addressed the Holy Father with questions. One of them was a street girl, and she spoke to the Holy Father in the Filipino language. Her question was this, why does God allow innocent children like us to suffer. Then she, she started crying and sobbing. The Holy Father turned to me and said, why is she crying, what did she say? So I translated for him. And the Holy Father just shook his head and embraced the girl. Mm. And the the Pope departed from his prepared speech and and told the girl, there are some questions that don't have answers, easy answers, but don't be afraid to cry. Maybe our tears could cleanse our eyes and make us see more clearly. Mm At that point, I suffered. I had wanted to give that girl a clear answer. But I had no clear answer too. Mm. But at that point of helplessness, I also knew I was united with that girl. Mm. She was helpless. I was helpless. So helplessness could bring us together, Mm. a point of communion. Mm. I was not a cardinal, she was not a street girl, we were just both creatures, children of God, asking the same questions.
3: Mm. That's all. Mm. Amazing. Amazing.
2: And I, I, I know you, you don't consider yourself, I, I don't think any of us, well I don't consider my, myself a leader. We, well, I'm uncomfortable with that, that, that. But the fact is that people do regard you as a leader. They invite you to speak at the World Economic Forum, they invite you to speak at, at, um, at, um, into businesses. This gathering is a mixture of church leaders but also people in business, politics, arts, media. When you go and speak to businesses, when you're invited by businesses to speak about leadership, what do you say to people in in those spheres of influence?
0: Uh, uh, First of all, I'm, I'm, uh, excuse me, I'm quite delighted that these past two years, there have been a lot of invitations from uh, business groups And uh, yeah, of course, the most intimidating was the World Economic Forum (laughs) in Davos, (laughs) Switzerland. (laughs) Why would they? Why would they need a cardinal there? You know, and uh, yeah, people that I just saw on TV, like, oh, <laughs> the, the president of the World Bank, oh, the, uh, the president of the IMF, no, the president of these countries, and uh, these actors and actresses and all of those movers, and uh, what am I doing here? <laughs> and, uh, you know, but uh, there, there seems to be a growing interest in the wisdom coming from different religious traditions in order for the business world to to learn also from those wisdoms Mm. about economic growth that is more inclusive rather than a growth that is generating a lot of wealth, but then as the wealth increases, the number of poor people also increases. Mm. Then you say, what type of growth is that? Mm. And before the World Economic Forum this year, January, Oxfam, the Anti-Poverty uh, Research Center, published its study that in the year 2016, the eight, eight, ocho, otto, mm. wheat, <laughs> mm. the eight richest persons in the world own half of the world's wealth. The equivalent of three billion, billion people. And, and I know uh, business people also have a conscience, they are disturbed. So when I address them about governance in the business world, leadership or governance, the first thing I invite them to do is to dwell on their personal governance. What governs them, or what govern them? Ambition, Uh, greed, success? What govern me? Because that will influence my leadership style. Secondly, I invite them to look at the culture in their Respective offices or businesses, like, okay, you are here to make economic growth more inclusive. So I say, okay, let's start with your vision statement. You now it's fashionable nowadays to have a vision statement. So I ask them, are the poor mentioned in your vision? Of if in the vision they're absent, and, how would they be present in your policies? Mm. Uh-huh. And they don't invite me again. <laughs> I said, well, you invited me to discuss inclusive growth. So like, okay. <laughs> are they included in your vision statement? In when you are planning your, your products and the services that you produce, Uh, what do you think of the poor? How do you think of them? Consumers, commodities, or what? And the third is I invite them to personal encounter. Touch the hands of a poor person. Because it's one thing to look at statistics, but the poor are not numbers. They are human beings. They could be me. He could be my parents, mm. he could be you mm. oh, and uh, and hopefully the power of that encounter could create some cracks mm. in my uh, well established presuppositions, and then mm. yeah, now, in a nutshell, that's what i I try to do
2: and then in your role, of course, you have to interact with presidents, governments, and so on. I, I didn't expect that, that many of us here who are interacting at that level, but, but all of us have to interact with maybe local councils um, and, and so on. What have you learned about interacting with governing um, authorities, if you like, um, and how we interact? Uh, if there are situations where we, we don't agree, yes. where we have different views, where we're not, um, what, how, how, what is the, the role of, of the church? What's the role of, uh, of, of of Christian leaders in that interaction?
0: Yeah, uh, I, I speak uh, based on my experience. I know Christian leadership. Uh, as a, 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 a range or a breath that would not be captured by my singular experience. No, but if, if a, I believe that if a, if a Christian leader approaches like civil authorities or leaders in uh, the secular world and they come to them as Christian leaders, then uh, at least for me, I make sure that I come across not as a politician, not as a businessman, not as uh, just a secular person, but someone who brings uh, the gospel. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I try to make them feel that I respect their person, Mm -hmm. even if we agree disagree on policies and principles, I will continue respecting their persons. Not easy, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Not easy, but uh, I I pray a lot before those meetings, I try to purify my, my motivation, and I ask the Holy Spirit to help me show that respect for the person even when I know the person holds positions that are not only contrary, but even oh, sometimes really belligerent <laughs> towards my position. I want to make the gospel alive. And, the, and, and it is not just, uh, it, uh, for me it, it, it helps because when a person experiences respect and acceptance, then the person is more ready to listen. So in a way I try my best also to create the condition so that the other person would at least give the gospel message a hearing. Sometimes they don't listen because we approach in a way that makes them close their ears and their hearts. Mm -hmm. So uh, uh, for me that would be a disservice to uh, to, uh, to the gospel itself. And I'm sorry if there are some media people here, but if I have something serious, especially serious disagreements with some civil leaders, I go directly to those persons rather than register my opposition through the media. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, for me, it's a, it's, a, it's a way of showing these leaders we disagree, but I respect you. Mm. And I don't want my, our disagreement to be the, uh, you know, the, uh, the banner story of a, of of of, of, a, of a tabloid or 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 whatever, you know? Uh, yes. And and even when I have to issue a statement, a public statement, if I could, I called those leaders first, and I say, tomorrow I am issuing a statement, mm-hmm. and this is this is the the flow. I am issuing this as a pastor. Mm. I am not issuing this because I have anything against you as a person. Mm. And then they would say, Oh, yo, we, we, we understand that. And I say, Do you want a copy? You mm. might want to reflect on it <laughs> <laughs> tomorrow. So, uh, but these things are uh, tedious. Mm. But uh, I. Uh, I feel the, the, the calling to do that as a pastor, as a pastor.
2: In your, um, well in your own country, uh, you talked about some of the things that have happened, the typhoon in the Philippines and so on, um, but also in your, your work with Caritas, you travel around the world, you go to refugee camps, you see so much suffering, Yes. where do you see hope? Uh, here,
0: the word of God that we pray over mm. you know, becomes almost like uh, I, 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 I'm sorry if I have to use this word, uh, stock knowledge, mm. but uh, I believe that constant prayer and listening to the Word of God, allowing the Word of God to, uh, to penetrate us. Uh, your 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 subconscious and uh, your your memory becomes uh, suffused with with divine wisdom and and when when you are for example in a refugee camp when you are I went to Nepal a year after the earthquake that killed nine thousand mm. people I went to uh, Japan. Sendai it was destroyed by the tsunami, and you see the photograph before the earthquake and the tsunami, then you look at the place, ah, nothing there, no. But as, as as you look, some biblical texts, some stories of the Bible come to mind as though the Holy Spirit prompting you, Mm-hmm. Or leading you to those events in the Bible. And you know that those events are happening now. Mm-hmm. You know? And uh, when confronted with so much suffering I, I tell myself and I tell the Caritas workers let us also look for the signs of the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Spirit,
3: mm.
0: more especially the presence of love, mm. the love that you talked about, mm. uh, in order to sustain us. Otherwise, we would be cynical and we would stop working for a better world. Mm. You see suffering over and over again, but you need to identify signs of hope.
3: Mm.
0: Now, uh, May I tell a story? Are you hungry, or right. <laughs> uh, Yes, they are. Yeah, <laughs> for the word of God. <laughs> I, like, uh, I, I was in Lebanon uh, last February, and uh, I had a meeting with the Caritas workers and volunteers of of Caritas Lebanon, and this was precisely our 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 conversation strengthening ourselves with hope and faith and opening our eyes to see signs of hope. And one uh, Caritas worker who is in charge of detention centers for illegal migrants and refugees, now, that's her yeah. concentration. Yeah. She, so she frequents those centers in, in Lebanon. She raised her hand and said, may I tell my story? Said, I was invited to Syria to give a seminar to Caritas Syria on how to serve illegal migrants no, in the detention centers. So she flew from Beirut to Syria, and every day she would take a cab, a taxi, from a convent of sisters where she resided, to the place of the seminar. And one day, she offered, she asked the driver, and how much do I pay you? And the driver said, no, you don't need to pay. She insisted, she said, no, no, I have money. And she said, no, the driver said, no, I, 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 don't, I, won't, I won't accept your payment. At this point, she panicked. She said, oh my, what will he demand for payment? Will I be raped? Will I be uh, taken hostage? Mm-hmm. So she said, no, I have money, I can pay you. And the driver said how could i accept money from caritas mm. and she said how do you know that i work for caritas he said three years three years ago i was in prison in beirut And one evening, I had a terrible headache. But nobody gave me medicine. You passed by. I asked you for medicine. And you gave me one. Your face has been printed in my heart. Mm. Three years later, he was able to say thank you mm. to this woman. Mm. Wow! <clears throat> signs of hope. Mm. Huh? You wait, mm. you wait. And when she gave the testimony, oh, 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 oh the, the, the Caritas workers and volunteers just said, we will continue. And they all started sharing their stories of hope in refugee camps, in prisons. And the conclusion was, God never gives up on anyone. Mm -hmm. Even the most uh, dire places, like even in the Archdiocese of Manila, we started parish-based programs for the rehabilitation of drug dependents who have surrendered to the police mm. and to the government say, come, we would help you. We would help your families with counseling and uh, with sports, with arts, and uh, livelihood, you know. And uh, yeah, there is hope. Mm. But you have to see, you have mm. to see the hope.
2: I could listen to you all day, but thank you so, oh, no. so much. will thank late. you. Thank you. Thank,
0: thank
2: you very you much. So, thank so you, much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. They're all standing for you. Thank you. Thank you. Will you. Will you pray a blessing over us? We'd like to. Thank
0: you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. as we thank God we also ask for God's blessing may the Lord bless you and keep you may the Lord let his face shine upon you and be gracious to you may the Lord look upon you kindly and grant you peace in Jesus' name Amen.
2: Amen. Thank Amen. you. Thank you. Amen. Your love. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
1: Didn't I tell you that would be amazing? Don't you just love his laugh? Thank you, Cardinal Tagley. Hearing this for a second time was a true joy. For our next episode, Nikki is sitting down with Archbishop Tabo Makoba. He's the current Archbishop of Cape Town, South Africa, and is the youngest leader to ever be elected to this position. I am so looking forward to hearing what he and Nikki chat about. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll see you in two weeks time for Nikki's conversation with Archbishop Tabo Makoba. Bye for now.